Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Welcome to Rockbrook, everybody. It's good to see you today. Hey, 930, would you do me a favor? Welcome everybody who's watching online this service. It's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, My name is Ryland. It's an honor to bring uh, the word today as we uh, look at another encounter or series of encounters with God. First of all, thanks for everyone who came out. Thanks to everyone who came out for the uh, Dream Team drive-through. The Dream Team is what we call uh, just everybody who serves in some way, uh, acts of ministry, acts of service in our church. And it was just an absolute blast. Someone drove through with their fire truck and everything else. And so, way to go Dream Team. Thanks for coming. It's so fun. And uh, don't pick up your notes or coffee yet. We got more clapping to do. We had another drive-through. Oh, actually, let me tell you, let's go back. My favorite thing in the Dream Team drive-through night was meeting everyone's dogs. How great was that? <laughs> uh, we need dream team dog treats, I think. But uh, then Saturday, we did another drive-through with the uh, Harvesters, and we did a food drop. And thanks to everyone who's, man, there's some people in our church who just stood out in the cold uh, so much on Saturday, so much on Friday. Thank you for that. Uh, we had 50 volunteers on Saturday, served 482 adults, 340 kids, 89 seniors for a total of 911 people uh, who were served that day. Yeah, way to go. Way to go. And uh, I'm just, I'm thankful for a parking lot. Aren't you thankful for, thanks for your giving, parking lots aren't cheap. And man, I talk to churches all the time, I'm like, can we have your parking lot? Like we need, a, we need parking. So thank you. Last several weeks we've been looking at God encounters in scripture. Uh, Jacob, Moses, Isaiah, a blind man with Jesus, the disciples in a storm. And this week, uh, it's not one encounter, but a theme of encounters. And we're calling them recovery encounters. So today's message of 40 days of prayer really flows out of my passion and heart for uh, one of my favorite ministries of Rockbrook Church uh, called Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery, yeah. You can't do that every time I mention Celebrate Recovery today. But um, one of my... (laughs) Um, Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered recovery program, and its foundations are firmly in uh, biblical truth. And there are things in Celebrate Recovery that you can't get anywhere else, certainly not in a lot of other secular recovery programs, uh, but just truths that uh, aren't really taught anywhere else. And it exists so you can find freedom from your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, stuff everybody has and live fully alive in Jesus and uh, I'll just tell you they gather every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. in the East Auditorium sometimes people will be like hey Rylan why don't we do like a midweek service or something like like you don't get it this is like everyone in their Rockbrook journey uh, needs to go to a celebrate recovery worship service go to a few of them go through a, a step study uh, just engage in that uh, uh, for a season. I encourage everybody in their Rockbrook journey uh, to make Celebrate Recovery a part of it somehow. I led worship for Celebrate Recovery for five years, uh, went through a step study during that time. I've sponsored several people. It's, it's been just instrumental in my life. 
And there's a great group of people leading Celebrate Recovery right now. And I say all this just to say, if you're unsure what the next step is for you coming out of this message, uh, it's probably to check out Celebrate Recovery on a Wednesday night. And today's message, I'll just give you the main point right up front. It's that there's no recovery without prayer. There's not. No lasting recovery for certain. And what I want to do right now is just take us through some scriptures and look at some examples of what happens when you add prayer into the recovery process and why without prayer in the recovery process, it's not going to work. And uh, if you're going through uh, Celebrate Recovery right now, this is going to be great teaching for you. If you've been through it, this is going to be a good shot in the arm, good pick-me-up. And uh, if you're considering it, this is going to uh, get some stuff under your belt today that I think you'll appreciate it. We won't spend the same amount of time on all the encounters, uh, but just listen to these, take notes. I'd encourage you maybe at the end, pick one that you're going to dive deeper uh, on kind of a choose your own adventure today. What, what This afternoon, what are you going to maybe read the full account of in a study Bible or something? But the first example would be in the Old Testament, and that is when the Israelites got impatient with God when they were leaving Egypt and the 40 years they were waiting to get to the promised land. So there was a 40-year delay from them exiting their slavery in Egypt and getting to the land God had promised them. And the delay was completely their fault. Uh, it, God was testing them, a series of tests. They would fail them. And he says, you've got to learn these before we go on this next part. And they'd have to do an, another lap around the desert or, or learn another lesson. And honestly, it sounds like a lot of us. Like, it takes us 40 years to get to a place we could have gotten to in a few months, right? Do you, do you know anyone who's just, man, bro, you're taking the long way around here. Like, this could be a lot quicker, but for some reason, they want to learn the hard way. We want to learn the hard way. And the Israelites got impatient because it's not going fast enough. Even though it's their own fault, they start grumbling and complaining, murmuring. They start rebelling against God and against Moses, their leader, and so God has to correct them, and he punishes them for it, and they would have never recovered from it. Uh, they would have all died in the desert had it not been for prayer. Let me give you an example. It says, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people grew impatient with the long journey. Have you ever gotten impatient along the way? Impatient with the long journey? Lord, it's just taken too long. I should be further along now. I should be further down the track. I'm this many years old. I'm not where I expected to be in this stage of the journey. They began grumbling and rebelling. They began to speak against God and against Moses. They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here, nothing to drink, and we hate the food. We hate this horrible manna. Now, during the 40 years between the Israelites uh, leaving Egypt and getting to the promised land, they faced harsh conditions, sometimes no food, no water, and God miraculously provided the Israelites with, quote, bread from heaven called manna. And the manna appeared each morning and the Israelites were given instructions on how to gather it. And what was manna? That was the Israelites' same question. 
in fact, Moses, they, they picked it up and they said, what is it? And Moses said, it's the bread that the Lord's given you to eat. And the Hebrew word translated to manna, it literally means, what is it? That's what, so when someone's like, oh, this is like manna from heaven, that's, that means, what is it? What is this? And after a while, they grew to hate it. And they said, why did you lead us here? Have you ever asked God that? Why did you lead me here to this place? I hate where I am. I hate what I'm doing. And I hate the food. And so they begin rebelling and speaking out against God and Moses. And God has to punish them. He's freed them from slavery. He set them on a journey. They're taking the long way. But he's showing his greatness. He's giving them food for crying out loud. And in the midst of the journey, their thanksgiving, their worship to God is, why don't you just kill us here? Did you just bring us here to die? You should have killed me in Egypt. And God was so frustrated with their sinfulness and rebellion, their forgetfulness, uh, that it says that the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died. Good grief. Aren't you glad we don't live under the old covenant? <laughs> Maybe not you. I'd have snakes everywhere. I'd have them in the cupboard. I'd have them in the dryer. They'd be in my car. It would just be snakes all the time. And they're all dying in the desert because of their rebellion, because of their complaining. They're getting bitten by these snakes and dying. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned, yeah, no joke, by speaking against the Lord and against you. Watch what happens next. Pray for us. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply Look at it. So Moses got the pole makers busy and the bronze makers busy. And don't you know they were working faster than they ever worked in their life. And they, they made a, a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and word here is recover, be healed. Now, there are lots of recoveries in the Bible. The Bible tells us many, many examples of different kinds of recovery. The Bible tells us, for instance, that Joseph recovered from his shock. Judah recovered from his grief. David recovered from all, uh, David recovered all the things that were stolen from him. This is one of the first examples of recovery in the Bible. It says, when Moses prayed, here's point number one, if you want to write it down, with prayer, we can recover from problems we cause by our own impatience. That's what that verse teaches. That with prayer we can recover from problems that we have caused ourselves by our own impatience. Most of the problems in our culture, if you really look at this, uh, many of them come down to our own impatience. We just don't know how to delay gratification. We say, I want it now. I want it now even if I can't afford it, even if it's not right. Yeah, even if it disobeys God, we'll say, I want it now, even if I've got to put it on credit. Um, we'll say, I don't like the way I feel, so I'm going to lean on 
alcohol or drugs to get the feeling that I want right now. People get into all kinds of relationships because they don't know how to wait, how to delay gratification. They say, I want sex now. I don't want to have to wait. Uh, I want uh, to live in a relationship this way, in a certain way right now, and I'm not going to wait. And it causes all kinds of problems in our life. And anytime we get into a hurry, anytime we take a shortcut, it's, it's usually because of temptation. God's plan normally is not very hurried. And God's not in a huge hurry with your growth. He wants it to stick. He wants it to change your character. Relax. Cooperate with this process. Do what he says and let him grow you up. For real. For real. And when the Israelites got impatient, got rebellious, uh, they brought problems on themselves. But they realized the solution here was pray for us. And they prayed. It says they recovered, they were healed. Now we don't understand exactly why God does everything that he does, uh, but what he did was put something in motion that involved their participation. And he's really foreshadowing Jesus with this. So what he did was he says, I'm gonna make a, a bronze snake, put it on a pole. If you get bitten, you've gotta come and look at it and live. Which by the way, this is the symbol, this is the EMS symbol. You've seen this emergency services symbol uh, with the cross and the pole and the snake wrap. It's still, they've changed the logo throughout the years, but it's still that thing. And some could have said, back in the Israelites' day, some could have said, well, this seems dumb. This is foolish. Why do I have to come look at the pole? I don't want to go all the way over there and look at the pole every time I'm bitten by a snake. Like, this is the plan? I don't want to do that. In fact, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try. I'm going to find another way to be saved and another way to live. You can do that. But there is a pole. And if you'll come look at it, you'll live. And, and there is hope and life for anyone who would go look at the pole because God works and then we've got to participate and even in this old covenant even in the old testament with the snakes there's still grace there's still mercy there's still a way out but you got to go look at the pole and then Jesus years later comes on the scene in John chapter 3 this is the place where the most famous passage of scripture resides not in your notes, but here's what Jesus says about himself, that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. They will be recovered of their sin. That is the setup for the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. This is the big time global version, timeless version of the Israelites with the pole and the snakes. If I'm lifted up on a pole, Jesus says, anyone who's facing death can look upon me and live. He says, I've done the work, but there's something for you to do. That is to look up and believe in Jesus. Well, that seems foolish. I've got to believe that a guy 
2,000 years ago died and rose from the dead. I've got to buy into the scriptures. I've got to look upon Jesus to have eternal life. That's dumb. I'm going to try and find another way. I'm going to try something else to live and to recover. You can do that. That's your choice. You can try and find another way. But we're here to tell you there's nothing better than him. Nothing. There is, look upon him and surrender your pride. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Look and live. Receive his grace. And from this setup comes John 3, 16. Would you read it out loud with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let me give you a second example of prayer causing recovery. I'll stop yelling at you now. Uh, it's a, uh, a guy called uh, King Jeroboam and King Jeroboam, uh, he did not want to hear uh, the bad news. Um, has that ever been true of you? That you just didn't want to hear the truth? Uh, we just don't like those conversations where people point out the truth about us and the truth about our problems the truth about the problems we were creating by the things that we were doing. We don't ever like that kind of problem. And King Jeroboam didn't want to hear the truth. God sent a man of God to tell him, uh, here it is, and laid it out in front of him. And the king got so mad that he flew into a rage. And he's just so mad because he doesn't, he doesn't want to hear this. And in 1 Kings 13, it says, when King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, seize that man. But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position and he couldn't pull it back. This guy is emotionally bound up. His hands become paralyzed, couldn't even put it down. I mean, he's going, you dirty, rotten. Did your mom ever tell you your face would freeze that way? Like that's what happened here. Oh. And he becomes paralyzed, can't do anything about it. Verse 6 the king cried out to the man of God, pray for me. <laughs> Please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to the Lord and the king's hand uh, recovered. It was restored and he could move it again. His hand was recovered. Here's the second point of recovery today. Why is this story in the Bible? What could we take from it today? I believe we could take this. With prayer, we can recover when we are paralyzed by our own emotions. Have you ever been paralyzed by an emotion? I have. Have you ever been paralyzed by grief? Paralyzed by anger? Paralyzed by lust? Paralyzed by fear? Paralyzed by shame. Prayer helps us recover when we're paralyzed by our emotions. He said, pray for me. So the man of God prayed to the Lord. The king recovered the use of his hand. And I'm here to tell you, you can recover uh, the use of your emotions. Lady came up to me after the service last night. Uh, said, I, I have never been this fearless in my life. She says, I've just been recovered from fear. I didn't know there was this type of freedom possible in life. I just feel so free. There's no fear in my life anymore. 
And God can uh, restore, recover your emotions. But there's no recovery without prayer. Let me give you a third example. And that is when Hezekiah, it's another king, uh, Hezekiah, he's a pretty good guy. Most of his life did the right thing. In fact, when he first started, he was king at age 25. And the first thing he did was clear out all the idols uh, and cleanse the temple. And he did the right thing. Uh, he's up in years now and he gets a terminal disease. And we pick up the story in 2 Kings 20 verse 1. It says, about that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. How'd you like to have a prophet come tell you that? Get your house together. It's over. You're going to die. Verse 2, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and I've served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Have you ever prayed like that? I mean, this is not some, God, I'd really like to have this. If you find the time, maybe if you find it in your plan, God, uh, this would be a really good thing for me and my family. No, he is beating on heaven's door. He is passionate. He is pleading. I love this. Would you watch this? He's not preaching in his prayer. He is pleading with God. And notice what happens. It says, but before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, so the, the prophet's leaving who gave this message, this message came to him from the Lord, go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestors, David, says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. Can I tell you today, God has seen your tears. God hears your prayer. He gave Hezekiah a promise. He says, I will heal you, and three days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. He says, I'm going to add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil. And Hezekiah, read this with me, Hezekiah recovered. He recovered. That's the power. That's the power of God. That's the power of prayer. 
Now in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 38, verse 9 through 17, Isaiah adds this to the story. After Hezekiah's recovery, uh, he wrote a prayer of praise. I love this. This is not in your notes, but you can write down this reference if you want. But I just love that uh, Hezekiah, he pleaded passionately to God, and then he gives thanks and praise passionately. He says, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Wow. Have you you ever prayed that in your thanksgiving? (laughs) In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. My goodness. He says, you didn't let go of me. The whole time that I was messing up, you didn't let go of me. But one thing you did let go of, my sins, and you've put them in a place where I can't even get to them now, you put them behind your back. And with prayer, we can recover from problems we cause by our own impatience. With prayer, we can recover when we're paralyzed by our emotions. Then this next one, uh, with prayer, we can recover even when others tell us it'll never happen. I mean, this wasn't just some stooge who comes (laughs) to tell him that you're never going to recover. Has anyone ever told you that? Has anyone told you you're never going to change? Well, you don't know the God I know. He specializes in change. Let me give you a few more today that, that will not happen in your life, recoveries that will not happen without prayer. It takes prayer. When I'm locked into a habit, a hurt, a hang-up, when I'm locked into a pattern of thinking, a way of living, an attitude, when I'm stuck in a relationship, when I'm stuck in a circumstance, you can't recover without prayer. Because without prayer, we don't see things uh, correctly. With prayer, we begin to see things uh, the way we've never seen them before. We see things about our spouse that we've never seen before. We see things about the world, about God, about Satan, about life, about death, what's important in life. We, we begin to see like we've never seen before. It only comes through prayer. You're not going to get this in a secular movement. You're certainly not going to get it in a secular recovery program. You get them from God. So let me give you the next one. And that is with Peter. I love Peter. And it's when Peter had his massive public failure. Have you ever had a, a failure that was public? It was seen by many. It was known by many. Peter was a disciple, follower of Jesus. He was in the top three disciples. He was so impulsive. It's like he sees the Lord walking on water. He just jumps out, goes for it. They go up on the mountaintop with Jesus and the transfiguration. The great leaders from Old Testament show up and he goes, hey, let's just pitch some tents here and party and stay up here forever. Uh, that just, okay, not a party crowd, but I could relate. I was like, that'd be me. Let's do this. They come to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out a sword and knocks the guy's ear off. I mean, he's just impulsive. At the Lord's Supper, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Peter opens his mouth and says, oh, it wouldn't be me. Not me, Lord, is it? And in Luke 22, uh, Jesus says this. um, Jesus predicts Peter's fall. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. 
So when, not if, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Have you ever noticed that Jesus says he's prayed for him? That Jesus knew before Peter's fall that Peter would fall. What stands out to me today, though, is that Jesus knew before Peter's fall that Peter would recover, that that he'd turn it around. And Jesus knew before your mess-ups that you could recover. And, And when, not if, he says, I've prayed for you. Do you know what Jesus is doing for you right now? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus is interceding for you. He is standing in your place so that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He's interceding for you, praying for you, having your back. And Peter has had this massive public failure, but he doesn't have to worry about it because Jesus prayed for him. Jesus intercedes for him. And he prayed for him so that he says, when you recover, you can strengthen your brothers. Here's point uh, number four. Write this down. With prayer, we can recover and even use our failures to help others. I like that. With prayer, we can recover. Doesn't matter what's happened in our life, we can fully recover. The Israelites teach us that with prayer, we can recover from problems we cause by our own impatience. Jeroboam teaches us that with prayer, we can recover when we're paralyzed by emotions. Hezekiah teaches us that with prayer, we can recover even when others tell us it'll never happen. And Peter teaches us that with prayer, we can recover and even use those failures to help others. Let's go to the next one, last one, and look at Job. Nobody had to recover more than Job. Uh, There's no one in this room who's had to recover more than Job. He's the greatest testimony. Now, Job had three friends, uh, and his friends did some good things and some bad things. The Bible tells us that when Job lost everything, he's lost all his family, all his money, all of his health, He lost literally everything except his wife, and his wife nagged him. She came and said, look, honey, why don't you just curse God and die? Oh, thanks. I'll write that down and file it away. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Everything around me is dying. Oh, why don't I just die too? Thank you. Great. He does have three friends, though, who show up, and the Bible says they sit down with him for a week, and they sat there and said nothing. That's smart. The deeper the pain, the less you say. I I hear people say, well, I didn't go, I didn't show up, I didn't come because I didn't know what to say. You you don't have to know what to say. You don't have to have a sermon. It's the ministry of presence. And they just sat with him, not saying a word, but somehow after a while they started deciding, "Uh, we've got this thing figured out and we're gonna tell Job why he's wrong. And he needs to repent. He needs to repent of all of his sins that have caused all this stuff. And what they begin doing is they begin using their theories, their rationale as to why Job is going through what he's going through. And they were wrong. And so you get to the end of Job 42, and it says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends. I'm not angry with Job, I'm angry with you guys. For you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Now if you read Job, Job talks a lot too. And he speaks a lot. And at times he's railing against God, complaining. The difference about Job is, is it was true. That's called lamenting. 
I mean, he's weeping before the Lord. He's bringing his problems, his, his crisis. It's okay as long as you stay in the truth. So God says, so take seven bulls, talking to the friends, and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. And laugh at this with me today. My servant Job will pray for you. Who's the one in the crisis here? Here's the one with the pro- Here's the who's the one with maybe the biggest human crisis that's seen in mankind. Go to him and he'll pray for you. I'd love to see their face. What you want us to make the sacrifice? And the guy in the crisis is going to pray for us? Yes. He says, I will accept your or his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, praise God, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So uh, his three friends, we'll sum it up that way, uh, (laughs) did as the Lord commanded them. So they go and do what they were told. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, He recovered his fortunes. The Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Job did not experience recovery only when uh, he prayed for himself, but when he prayed for other people, when he prayed for his friends. He didn't have recovery when he was praying for himself alone. Your deepest moments of recovery are not all going to come when you graduate something, finish something, tick off the box, You're going to come when you start helping other people, when you start praying for other people. Are you praying for someone else's recovery as much as you're praying for your own? Here's the last point today. Our recovery is complete only when we pray for the recovery of others. Do you see how close prayer and recovery are combined here? You cannot have true recovery without prayer. Many types of recovery in the Bible. Genesis 38, 12 says this, Judah recovered from his grief. Genesis 45, 27, Joseph recovered from his shock. Genesis 14, 16 and 20 says this, Abraham recovered everything that had been stolen. His nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women of his family and all the others who'd been taken captive. When I'm taken captive, it takes other people captive too. He recovered. He gave a tenth of everything he recovered. That's called a tithe. 1 Samuel 30, 18 through 19, it says, David recovered all the Amalekites had taken from him, all his family and everything valuable to him. What's been taken from you? What's been lost in the process? You know what all these verses that we've looked at today say to me? They say to me that Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save that which is lost that he is on a search and recovery mission to rebuild, to restore, to renew, to recover. Let's ask him for it. Let's pray for it. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for recovery. Would you just pray this prayer in your heart, your mind? You don't have to say it out loud. God knows your thoughts. Uh, He knows everything about you. And just surrender to him now. Say, dear Jesus, I don't understand it all. But I thank you for loving me. God so loved the world. God so loves me. And I want to thank you for coming to earth for me. I want to thank you for giving your life for me so I can go to heaven. 
And God, I want the cross, the empty grave to count for me. And so I accept your gift of forgiveness, your grace. I know I can't earn it. I cannot save myself. And God, I want to learn to trust you with every area of my life. I ask you to heal me, my heart, my body, my mind, my relationships, my fears, my habits, my attitudes, my bitterness. God, heal my anger. Heal my impatience. I want to be like you, Lord. You're humble. And I humbly ask all this because Jesus has already paid for it. And God, I come to look upon Jesus today, to look upon the cross and live. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.